Thank you for downloading this podcast from BJOG. Hello, this is the BJOG podcast for November uh, 2016. My name is uh, Dr. Daniel Stott. I'm one of the registrars um, presently at the Royal London uh, in obstetrics and gynaecology. And I'm with Mr. Michael Marsh, um, who's the deputy editor-in-chief of the BJOG, to talk about this month's issue. Uh, so, Mr. Marsh, first of all, uh, half the papers in, in this month's issue are given over to um, the problems around uh, preterm delivery. Um, what was the reason for dedicating uh, so much coverage in this, this issue to the, the problems around preterm delivery? Well, um, on 17th of November uh, this year, it is World Prematurity Day, and the aim of these sort of days is to focus on specific medical conditions. Um, with the intention of drawing the attention of public, uh, the public governments and grant-giving bodies to the importance of a particular subject. And BJOG um, supports um, such endeavours. And, um, as you say, half of the articles in this journal are devoted to preterm delivery. Uh, it's prediction, prevention and the etiology. So, uh, Mr. Marsh, first of all, we'll, we'll uh, pay uh, some closer attention to some of the uh, articles that you've mentioned in your editor's choice column this month, starting with the study from the Netherlands, looking at the clinical utility of quantitative uh, fetal fibronectin in women presenting with symptoms of uh, preterm labour. Uh, and this study examined whether the quantitative as compared to the qualitative measurement of fetal fibronectin in that group of women in combination with cervical length, could improve the accuracy of grouping these patients into either high or low risk of delivery over the next seven days. Now, my understanding of that study is that it didn't uh, assign women to different groups uh, after taking into account quantitative measurements of fetal fibronectin. Um, but it did show, in keeping with previous studies, that your risk of preterm delivery did increase with increasing fetal fibronectin numbers. So there was some value to quantitative as opposed to just qualitative measurement of fetal fibronectin. So I wonder what your thoughts were on, on how this uh, study from the Netherlands might impact on clinical practice. Yes, I, I mean, I think this study does indicate that although it was difficult to uh, change uh, the the estimated risk of going into preterm delivery over the following um, seven days in this group of women um, from very high risk to low risk, it did show that you can fine-tune your estimates uh, of whether somebody is likely to do this, which might be helpful in clinical practice. Um, and in fact, interestingly, you know, it, it, the data did also suggest that just looking at the quantitative fibronectin uh, alone, then... Uh, that was quite useful, and there seemed to be a clear relationship um, between different quantities of fetal fibronectin and the risk of preterm delivery. So, of course, not all units are going to have transvaginal ultrasound scan uh, available and, and certainly not available uh, out of ours. So um, if it is available, this uh, combination of the quantitative plus the ultrasound suggests that it may be more useful um, but these data also suggest that if you just have quantitative fetal fibronectin levels, then that gives you a pretty good um, reasonable estimate of the risk of preterm delivery over the next few days. Um, one of the problems with this study, and, and indeed some of the others that have looked at the same um, 
clinical scenario and using the same study design um, is that these data need to be validated in a different population. Um, and, of course, we look forward to those uh, studies that will do that. Uh, so we, we've talked a bit about um, anticipating or predicting preterm delivery. Uh, another study that you mentioned in your editor's choice this month is the uh, randomized controlled uh, promise trial uh, by Palacio et al., which was designed to evaluate whether maintenance treatment uh, with progesterone after arrested preterm labor um, was effective in reducing the incidence of preterm delivery. Uh, and this trial uh, shows that progesterone did not, in fact, reduce the rate of preterm delivery in this cohort of women, either before 34 or 37 weeks. Um, so I wanted to ask you, Mr. Marsh, how you think this will affect the prescribing of progesterone, given that um, other studies seem to have possibly shown some benefit for it, and it seems to be uh, a very popular medication uh, among women and clinicians uh, prescribing in this, in this field. Yes, well, one would hope that this um, study uh, would influence clinical practice. I mean, it was a well-conducted study. It was a randomised study. Um, it was sufficiently powered. Admittedly, they didn't. the funding was withdrawn, apparently, from the study, and they didn't quite get the final number of women that they'd hoped to in the power calculations. But there's no particular reason why that should influence the data, given that it was a, a randomised study. Um, and this shows quite clearly that there was no benefit from giving progesterone under these circumstances. And this is in keeping with um, some of the other studies uh, that have been published looking at this. And there's a very eloquent and well-reasoned uh, mini-commentary by Jim Thornton from Nottingham um, about the subject within the journal, um, which I hope will convince people that there is no benefit from giving progesterone in this clinical scenario. So we've discussed briefly prediction of preterm labour and its prevention. Uh, a third study uh, on the subject of preterm delivery this month uh, looks at risk factors for preterm delivery, specifically uh, whether a low BMI is an independent risk factor for preterm delivery below 37 weeks. Um, a large uh, cohort study from California by Gerson et al., uh, found that women who had uh, an abnormally low BMI below 18.5 were at significantly increased risk of preterm delivery. Uh, and those who were more severely, uh, uh, who had a, a, a more severely low BMI uh, below 16, were at a relative risk of, of 1.6 of preterm delivery below 37 weeks. So I wondered, Mr. Marsh, uh, what, what new things this study can show us about the effect of maternal weight on, on preterm delivery? The novelty of this study um, was that these investigators looked at different degrees of severity of um, un being underweight in pregnancy and showed that there was this uh, clear relationship in that the risk of preterm delivery was greater in those women that had the very lowest uh, BMIs. Um, it was also very interesting in the study that this relationship between the degree of very low weight and preterm delivery um, seemed to be independent of whether it was iatrogenic preterm delivery or whether it was spontaneous preterm delivery, indicating uh, that it's an intrinsic effect of um, low weight 
that is causing these preterm deliveries. And of course, whether this association is um, due to being underweight or whether there are other factors that are link, linking being underweight and preterm delivery, such as smoking, etc., still remain to be clarified. So, as you said, Mr. Marsh, this study does show an increased risk of preterm delivery uh, with uh, reducing uh, abnormal uh, maternal BMI. But what do you think are the, uh, are the clinical implications of this, and, and what other work can you see following on from this uh, large study? Well, I think that these data are going to be useful um, when one is counselling a woman either pre-pregnancy or in the early stages of pregnancy as to the risks um, of being underweight. Um, and also it might mean that we can fine-tune the degree of surveillance of a woman uh, in terms of ultrasound scans and clinic visits, etc., depending on the degree of uh, being underweight. The study that needs to be done is an intervention study in women that have very low weight uh, to see that if increasing this weight, either before pregnancy or during pregnancy, uh, can improve these outcomes. Thanks, Mr. Marsh. Um, so, uh, other other papers of note in this issue on uh, on, on preterm delivery include a, a large study re reporting an association between new onset maternal as well as interestingly paternal depression, uh, which uh, seems to increase the risk of preterm delivery. Um, and another study showing that uh, a short interpregnancy interval appears to increase the risk of preterm delivery. And equally, a, a longer interval of over three years has a slightly increased risk of a subsequent preterm delivery. And lastly, there's a meta-analysis incorporating eight studies showing that the risk of preterm delivery is increased in women who've had exposure during the course of their pregnancy to, to SSRIs uh, for depression. So... All three of those studies provide useful data to inspire new uh, hypothesis-generated studies on the prevention of preterm delivery. Thank you. Thank you for listening to this podcast from BJOG. We have been reporting the best research in women's health since 1902. We are keen to hear your views. Tweet us at BJOG Tweets. You can find more podcasts at www.bjog.org.